Hi, everyone, and welcome to special simulcast. Uh, again, I'm doing an interview for Podcast Magazine on the Sports Category, Director Neil Haley, and also The Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited to welcome Tracy Sandler to the show. Again, Fangirl Sports Network, and also your show, The Tracy Sandler Show. I appreciate yes. you coming by. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Neil. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good, good. So let's kind of jump right into things, and we're going to talk about, were you always a sports fan growing up? Always. I've been a sports fan since I was a little girl. I just, I've always loved sports. Um, my brothers are sports fans. My dad's a sports fan. Um, lots of uncles, family, friends, but I just always loved sports. But interestingly enough, the person that really got me into sports was a family friend of ours who was female, who told me one day I was the Lakers good luck charm because I was in the room when they started winning. And then I just got really into sports. Interesting. So what was your favorite sport starting? It was the Lakers. Would you say? I guess it was the Lakers. The Lakers was the beginning. Well, actually, the Dodgers. So okay. the Lakers was the beginning, but the Dodgers, who I love, 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 uh, that was the very, very beginning. And when I was very little, I was at Kirk Gibson's the home run game, the World Series home run game, and so that just kind of sold me. And I, re- I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember everybody going crazy and him hitting the home run and the whole thing, and that was kind of the beginning. Well, I was a Dodgers fan back with Fernando Valenzuela. I saw him pitch a game at, at that stadium. So I guess that's showing my age, right? I'm 40. Yeah, but the, yeah I, I was I was probably only like nine. It was at Shea Stadium. I saw Fernando okay. pitch. And yeah, and I was a Dodger fan. And then when they finally beat the Yankees at that time, and that was just because I guess the Pirates were in a downswing. I grew up a Pirates fan and then still, okay. fan, but right now without the Pirates, some from Pittsburgh, I'm like, no, there's no major league baseball, but that's for another <laughs> situation. <laughs> so from that start, from doing that and being a fan of sports, did you anticipate you were going to be a media at that point in time? Did you, where did you go for, go to school for and stuff? Yeah. Uh, well, I went to the University of Michigan. Uh, I studied English literature. I did write for the Michigan Daily. I wrote sports for the Michigan Daily. While I was in college, I interned um, at what was then Fox Sports West. I interned at Fox Sports. I worked there every summer, um, every vacation. I worked there after school. Uh, and then I did other things. I did some acting. I did voiceover. I worked in politics. Um, and ended up coming back to sports almost, excuse me, choked up talking about it, um, almost, almost by accident. Uh, I was working at a uh, political and philanthropic donor advising firm and started a blog about the San Francisco 49ers, kind of just the, for the fun of it. Uh, it was called the trials and tribulations of my love-hate relationship with the San Francisco 49ers. And I just started writing. And then I enjoyed doing it. People read it, not a ton of people, but people read it. Uh, so I decided to turn it into more of a business and I started a sport editors fangirl. And then we expanded and became fangirl sports fangirl sports network uh, within a year, the 49ers started to credential me. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. All right. I'm going to take you back. And that's always part of the interview. It's like, okay, <laughs> you're used to those sound bites. Let's, let's jump into your Michigan. When mm-hmm. did you go, when you went to Michigan, was Michigan good when you were covering them? They were. They were good. I, I didn't cover the football team, but yes, they were good when I covered them. Um, yeah, they were They were a great team. I mean, I went to Michigan because I wanted – I'm from Los Angeles, and I, at the time, felt I'd never live anywhere but L.A. and wanted the real college experience. My brother was there. He graduated before I got there. He was the manager of the basketball team. 
the basketball team was good. The football team was good. And I wanted that kind of school that had a big, robust sports program because I love sports and I wanted that to be a part of my college experience. And you can't really go to Michigan and not have that be part of your college experience. Absolutely. Both basketball and football, for sure. Oh, yeah. and, and hockey. I mean, everybody, it was good. I covered wrestling. That was the first beat I was on. The wrestling team was really good. Um, actually, it wasn't the first beat. Women's volleyball was the first beat I was on. I mean, everybody, every athletic team at that school, it's pretty good. So why not sports journalism? Why not sports journalism when you're a great major? And you said you were an English major. In- I was an English major because I didn't, I, I wanted to major in something else. I mean, I figured I held my whole, had my whole life to do whatever. And I worked for the daily. So I kind of, I got that training, the real, I guess the real world experience training is writing exactly. for a newspaper. You definitely did. Now in politics, what were you involved in politics? I'm just interested in knowing. What I have? worked in Washington, D.C. for then mayor Adrian Fenty. Um, who was very much known as the education mayor. So I worked for him um, and I started his communications office and my, my original, I guess, responsibilities uh, were anything involving sports. And I had also worked for a short time at a, a nonprofit healthcare agency when I first moved to DC. So I was kind of health and sports, but I was, it was actually very cool because I was working for him at a time when Nationals Park opened. So it was very funny. My first few weeks working for him, every couple days I was at the stadium. There was a ribbon cutting, there was stadium tours, there was planting the cherry blossoms. There was, he threw out the first pitch at uh, the last preseason game. Then the next day we went for opening night. Like I was like, this is the most amazing job ever. All we do is go to baseball stadiums. As it turns out, there's a lot more that we do. And I, went on in his administration to run his office on boards and commissions and to be executive director of an agency called serve DC. But in the very beginning, it was a lot of sports focused stuff. Um, and that they came to me for follow. Hey, and that's, that's awesome. Right. To have that experience. And I think that what helps as a journalist is to get multiple things to cover because it's all the same in certain aspects it's a spin it's what's the hottest thing and i think when you cover politics and you have to cover not cover things up but make sure you cover the right things in politics especially representing somebody in that whole spin of things you learn it how can i spin things the way i want to spin them to make it look great get the best views get the most reads all those things because you were making sure that some of those headlines wouldn't come out when you were working mm-hmm. there. so you kind of learn all these different tricks and, and understand it because you understand the game how things go so when you try to start your own it's like hey not many people are going to go start their own blog and start their own network right it's not that yeah. you, you you have the experience that led to all that and did you have any entrepreneurial ventures before that uh, I did. uh before i worked at politics i had a personal shopping company called little lady red i had red hair at the time uh and it, i would do i did personal shopping i specialized uh, in gifts where um living in los angeles i had people were constantly in need of gifts for clients agents managers all the things uh, and i did a lot of that i did a little styling uh but i ended up moving to dc because i was looking kind of to do more and i was very inspired by barack obama and ended up moving there and worked for Fenty and, and absolutely loved it. Loved working for him. Um, and then came back to my sports roots after that. You had to go back to Cali. Sounds like. Had to go back. Yes. Yes. So um, yeah. And it was, it was time. I loved my time there, but it was, it was time. It was time to go back. All right. So from the blog, when you first started writing it, 
did you think it was going to pick up steam so well before you started the fangirl sports network no i really didn't i mean i really just did it for fun but i took it seriously i mean it was something i did for fun but i really took it seriously and that's advice i always give people you know you find what you love you do what you love but you should take it seriously so i i got someone to create a, like a logo for me i like went on wordpress one morning and just created the site then i found someone to create a little bit of a logo and make the site look a little bit better and I wrote during the week, I wrote, I came up with some special features, one of which we still have today, five fun facts, which is something I started doing about players. Once I was credentialed, I started doing with players and I still do it to this day. We do, you know, five fun facts videos where they share things about themselves. You wouldn't otherwise know on Fangirl Sports Network every Wednesday, we do a five fun facts on a relevant uh, rivalry player, whatever is going on during the week. So I started that. I wrote game previews. I wrote game recaps. I kept up with the news. I tweeted. And I mean, it wasn't, I'm not saying like a ton of people read it, but, but people read it. And my, my website address was trialstribblog.com. My Twitter at the time was at trialstribblog. So the word 49ers was not even anywhere to be found and people still started to pay a little bit of attention. So I was like, I think I can do this. And I wanted to create a place for female fans yes. that really spoke to female fans. See, I, I, yeah, for sure. I you found your niche. You found yes. a niche and said, okay, from what I'm seeing and how I want to write and how, who I want to motivate, you figured out that avatar, the person, perfect person that would be what you wanted. And that's the, the girl fan. And that's huge because they don't really cater always to that there's, so there's that, not a cater to that and there were many there are many female reporters who and we've made tremendous strides and they're incredible but at that time and i think it is i think the landscape has changed a little bit from when i first started in 2015 the landscape has changed but at that time you really didn't have content that spoke directly to women so i wanted to create a place for that how'd you come up with the name because it well, I was 49ers fangirl was kind of what I came, when I first, it was the first year it was just 49ers fangirl. Uh, and then it was, and so then it became fangirl sports network and our acronym FGSN. Uh, but I, you know, I also want to take a term that kind of, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a fangirl. And I think it's a term, one of the, like, the best compliments I've gotten is that I took a term that may have had a ma- negative connotation and turned it into a very positive connotation of an f- empowered woman who loves sports, loves her team. And yeah, and great. Yeah. Being a Steeler fan, being Pittsburgh, the thing is our Pittsburgh uh, sports. And then I think people get in trouble at times saying, well, our women are so knowledgeable when it comes to sports in Pittsburgh. It's like amazing. Do you like when you hear connotations like that? Someone got in trouble for saying something like that. Uh, I remember, I remember who wasn't it. And it came out after that. Uh, Some um, was one of the, Oh, Chris Collinsworth said it on a specific thing. So this is how much of a barrier still having to break. Chris Collinsworth said, oh, Steeler fans are so knowledgeable. I could, these women, I didn't think that they know. When are we going to get rid of that? Saying, okay, if you're, if you're a woman, you're not going to know sports as well as a man. I mean, I think it's going to take time. I do think it is changing somewhat. I think the way he said it was the issue. Well, that's Chris Collinsworth. Who likes Chris yes. Collinsworth except Cincinnati Bengal fans, right? So that I think, the, you know, is the way, the way it came across, I, you know, I don't, It'll probably still take time. I mean, I still have people. I tell this story all the time where I was on a date with someone and he said to me, well, you must be happy. Jimmy Garoppolo's on your team. That gives you something to talk about. 
I said, what are you talking about? He's like, well, he's so good looking. So imagine if you're doing female folk, I mean, the, the date lasted about 10 minutes. If you're doing female focused content. That's, that's what I'm assuming you talk about. So, you know, I think the majority of people don't think that way, at least the more majority, maybe not the majority of people, the majority of people I come in contact with don't think that way and, the, and don't downplay women knowing just as much as any man, but I, that's still out there and it probably will be for a very long time. You know, I talk about it a lot. If I go on a radio show, I go on a, on a TV appearance, whatever it is, I have to know more than anybody else on that show. That means preparation. Right. Cause sometimes right. they're just doing preparation. Some of these people are just yeah. doing their just opinion. Like yes. on ESPN, right? When you get the yes. two, they're just going out at each other. They're not researching all these articles to the level or looking at things they're going at. Well, how can I make it controversial? You bring in that knowledge where you can really give something because Play by play. I've interviewed lots of NFL players and different people and, and asking them the play by play to prepare for a next game and giving that breakdown. And it's like, unless you're really breaking things down, it's like you're not giving me any interest. You're not really looking into this stuff. And that's the thing that's missing sometimes in sports is it's too much opinion versus really breaking down the teams, understand the reasons and why, who's going to win and not win, right? And all the different things that are involved. Yes, and I, but I more mean that as a, as a female journalist, you have to be more prepared and knowledgeable than any man that you're. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. coming up, but there's still in sports, it's too much opinion, yeah. and not enough of really going into breaking down that stuff. Yes, so otherwise, you know, that the girl didn't know. The girl said it wrong, and so you have to be. And I, I hope we get to a point that that changes. And I think we are. I mean, I do think fangirl is a place that's really um, helping that. I've noticed, you know, other things have started to come out other platforms that are, you know, doing something similar. And I think it's fantastic because it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be like, wow, you know, so much, you may even know more than me should. Yeah. I just don't know if we'll ever get there, but I hope I'm hopeful. How do you curtail your, how do you make that content of your network really speak to women? And tell us how, how you're more, you know, the analysis is analysis. Right. Like, there's exactly. nothing in analysis that's going to be, be different, right. but we do a lot of going beyond the field. So there's like the five fun facts I mentioned. Um, we do lifestyle content. We merge in some pop culture. We do uh, a community Monday every week where we highlight an athlete and the work he or she's doing in the community. We have a podcast called get my job. In addition to Tracy Sandler show, and get my job is every week I sit down with a woman in sports and talk about her career and her journey and really highlights there's so many positions in sports. It's not sideline reporting. Hosting is amazing, but there are so many things that women and men can do in the world of sports. So we highlight that we do, you know, we just do kind of, we do a lot of memes and we just do the kind of a little bit that content tends to be more geared towards the female fan. So what are you hearing I mean, from other women, all. especially what you're trying to do na- nationally? And I'm sorry, what, what, you say? What, what are you doing nationally and maybe even in internationally when it comes to providing that content and what's the feedback you get from your, your listeners I mean, the podcasts and all that stuff, like some of the stories you have about what they've thought yet. Yeah, the feedback has been awesome. I mean, we have, we're growing all the time, like where we were two years ago to where we are today, but the the feedback's been fantastic. People love coming on, get my job. I've had like no problem getting guests and I've had really big guests. Um, and you know, women and men, a lot of men really love our content too. The majority of our followers on fangirl are female, of course. Uh, but the feedback has been great. People really 
respond to it. And for us, social media is such a huge part of what we do. So for us, we can see that in, in follower count and engagement and, and all of that. But people seem to love it. So when did you start the podcasts? Tell us. The, uh, you know. Get My Job began in September of 2019 was the, the launch of that. And the Tracy Sandler show started a week ago. A week so that's ago. Oh, that's okay. And that's the one that's going to be again. Okay. So let's talk about the Tracy uh, Sandler show and talk about that whole thing. So you did the get my job as a way we you, will talk kind of that process, but then finally your own show. How's that yeah. feel? You know, you had the other show, but this is going to be, how are you kind what is the theme for this sports show and all that stuff? So this show is, you know, your top sports news, a lot of 49ers, a lot of Dodgers. Cause those are, I cover the 49ers. And I'm very oh, you're ha- it seems like you're a baseball, bigger baseball fan than football. Now I'm hearing. Uh, no, I don't know if that's true, but I cover the NFL. So it's just different. I mean, my dog, my Dodger fandom, I'm a fan. It's just kind right. of a different perspective. Um, and I'm strictly a fan with the NFL, with the 49ers. I'm a reporter covering the team. Um, and there certainly is a fan component, which, cause that's part of my thing. And that's how I started is as a fan, but it's just, it's a little bit different. Uh, so it'll be a lot of Dodgers and then, and then lifestyle content as well. Um, I want to going to be bringing on some guests that talk about the different aspects of game day. want to bring on players, wives and girlfriends to talk about that experience. What is that like? You know, when you're sitting at a game and you have people cheering or booing the people you love, you know, what does that feel like on a weekly basis? But uh, we've been so far, we've been doing a lot of you know, Niners coverage and previews. Like I said, top NFL news. And um, it, it'll be that I have some ideas for some segments I want to start implementing in, in the coming weeks and months. But it's it's cool because it's really my show and I can play around with it, especially like in these first couple of weeks and just see what works, what doesn't, what do I like, what I don't like. My goal is to have a guest for most episodes uh, talking about different things. So next week I'll have someone from the NFL Network and then I'll have a reporter from the team the 49ers are playing come on so we can preview the matchup. Um, so it's been great. It's been fun. And then today, the episode that came out most recently, I, I did a preview by myself of the 49ers versus the Jaguars. I had people send me questions from Twitter so I could answer, you know, what their questions were, which is kind of a fun thing to do. I made that kind of a more snackable episode. It was about 15 minutes. So yeah, I'm playing around with it, but top sports news, a lot of Niners, a lot of Dodgers and lifestyle. See, and what you're looking at is the engagement you're looking at. Am I really speaking to my fans like my blog? Right. And so the, what do you th- define the difference in podcasting versus a blog? What is the goal of your audience? Tell us the difference, especially as a journalist, especially r- a writer before really a broadcaster in a way. Uh, I think the goal, I think a goal in a podcast is for your listeners to feel like they're engaged with you in a conversation. I think on the blog and my writing, I want to share news. I want to share, share content in a creative way. I mean, I do a lot of stories that maybe other people don't do because I'm trying to share content and, and share things about the team in a way that's different than maybe your traditional beat writer. Uh, and I think in our social media, we want people obviously to respond to the content, to like it, to engage with it, to share it. But in a podcast, I think you really want your listeners to feel like, oh, I'm here having a conversation with this person I know we're like-minded. She's saying things that make sense to me. The guest is sharing information and, and opinions that make sense to me. And I think that's really a lot of what podcasting, and I think podcasting, at least from the stuff I'm doing is a lot of opinions. I mean, that's really, what is it? It's a place for me to share my opinions on what's going on in the world of sports and the world of the 49ers, the Dodgers, 
all that kind of stuff. And, and on the sports lifestyle side. So it, I do find that when I like when I listen to podcasts and I love podcasts. So when I'm listening, I want to be engaged and feel like I'm there having a conversation, like really learning something from people. Compared to just hearing the same thing over and over again that you could listen to sports radio station, right? Like exactly. with, with the 24 seven sports cycle, how can I make it interesting that it's different, right? Exactly. Where you really, really feel at home, right? Right, exactly. And yeah, that's exactly. something I've learned in, you know, doing 7,000 plus interviews for my radio, TV and, and podcasting that I'm like, holy cow, every day I, I learn something new and say, you know what, maybe I should do that. Social audio has completely changed, been a game changer for me to understand through an audience and engaging all the time through social audio to understand, oh my gosh, I think about more about what I, questions I ask for my audience more than I did before. It's because mm-hmm. there's more of that interactivity. You understand things more and you understand what people are looking for. And I think that you're figuring out that niche of what your audience is looking for. That's what it sounds like to me. And that's why I wanted this week to test out, you know, asking people on Twitter, what questions do you have about the game? What questions do you have about the 49ers? I'll answer them on the podcast. You can't always get to all of them, but that way you do get an idea. And also by doing that, I can start to get an idea even on a week where I don't do that, these are the types of things my people, my followers, my listeners want to hear. They want to listen to and learn about. So that's really helpful for me from a research perspective. So for podcasters, Twitter, why is Twitter such a good platform for podcasting? Sounds like you've had great success with your blog and podcasting through Twitter. What do you compare to other social media platforms? What are your thoughts? Well, I don't know how, I, I don't know if it's generally good for podcasting, to be honest. I can't really speak to that. It's very big for sports. So I agree with you. But, There's certain niches on yeah. Twitter that people think Twitter's dead, right? They think it's Instagram all the time. They think right. it's Facebook or they think it's TikTok and they think it, you know, whatever they can do. But Twitter is just a forgotten animal, which is really a great tool. But it's not in sport. I mean, sports Twitter is huge. You know, that's so yeah, much of what, what we do. Yeah. And so I think, so for me, it's been very successful in, in that way. But, you know, I use different platforms in different ways. So like on a game day, for instance, Um, I usually drive people to my Instagram for pregame. You know I'm saying? If you, everything you want, if you want all the BTS pregame stuff from the field, et cetera, make sure you're following me on Instagram during the game, live tweet the game. And that's, that's that's everybody's following me on Twitter post game. I tweet the main things from the press conferences and tweet videos. And then that also goes to my Instagram. So, but I, drive to different platforms for different areas because I know, you know, that's what people like. And so I have found for me, even at practice, I'll post practice videos and stuff to my Instagram um, and tweet, you know, media availabilities, injury reports, that kind of stuff. Uh, But, you know, it's finding those different ways. So I think when it comes to podcasting, I have like a pretty decent, a pretty robust audience on Twitter. And those people come to me for 49ers news and content they deal with my Dodger fandom because most of my followers hate the Dodgers because it's the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. um, they deal with it um, for the most part. I know some of them mute me for baseball season and that's totally fine, but they know, you know, they know what they're getting. So I'm able to use that Twitter audience to promote the podcast and, and get people engaged and involved. Uh, and that's been really cool. I think we, this is so great in this article. You're going to provide for podcasters that read the magazine, especially that social media is such an important thing for any podcaster out there, any journalist, anyone that has creates, creates content needs to engage with their audience. It has to be back and forth. It can't be something where you just throw something out there and not expect to have engagement back. It sounds like this is really a big thing for you is having audience engagement. How important is that? 
I guess, as a podcaster, in your opinion, from the days since you've been, since you've been doing this since 2019, but also now the experience of your new show? I mean, I think for, for us, it's everything. And for me, I mean, Fangirl Sports Network, our social is huge. That's kind of everything for us. That's where we, you know, obviously we have sponsors on the podcast, but we do a lot of sponsored partnerships and branded things on, on our social channels. And so for us, it's, it's a huge part of it. And I think people, at least for me as a podcaster and as a reporter and a CEO and all of that stuff, people engage with my social and that's how they feel like they know me and they know my point of view and they know what I like and they know what I'm interested in. And, and the same goes for the podcast. So I think it's really important. So that's why I would always share with my followers. Like I started this new podcast. Here's what we're going to talk about. Make sure you subscribe, please send me your questions. Uh, Cause that is the way I can engage with my audience on a daily and weekly basis. And then they know where to go every week or twice a week. Cause Tracy Sandler shows twice a week to hear some of that stuff we talk about on Twitter, or they see on my Instagram, then they're going to, they know what they're going to get on the podcast. And, you know, I think so far they enjoy it. We've had, I've had three episodes so far, so we'll see. So it's very new. But you're, it's you're giving a masterclass, Tracy, even though you don't think that you're, you're that okay. knowledgeable. Yeah, you really are. Cause when it comes to telling people the importance when they write a blog, when they do a podcast, when they're, you know, when they're on social media, make sure you're engaging your followers, engaging your tribe. A lot of people aren't doing that and they're not trying to develop that relationship. And you did it when your success, your blog, the fangirl network for sure. And now with the Tracy Sandler show. So my gosh, what's next for you? So what, what is your ultimate goal of the podcast? Where do you want to see this go? I mean, I, I obviously would like it to become a very big, um, you know, kind of a sports and lifestyle podcast I'd like it to be wherever you go for your 49ers news your Dodgers news your anything sports lifestyle and then obviously your top top news but it's I'm excited about it Um, I'm excited that I really get to have this opportunity to get to talk about all the things that I love and want to talk about and I think people like following me and like reading my stuff and like engaging with me because I'm really passionate about that I think that's even why the Bay Area fans deal with my Dodger love but a lot of people will say like, you just love them so much. I have to respect it. Um, and I've had people say to me, and this was a great compliment. Multiple people said to me, I thought you actually covered the Dodgers too. You're where I go for my Dodgers news, which is amazing. Cause I do not cover the Dodgers. I just love them. So, you know, and I want to expand upon that. And like, I, I don't know, I think I have a lot of ideas. Not all of them can be shared right now, but I really want it to become the place where people go, especially women uh, to enjoy sports content in a really fun, funny, inspirational, and informative way. And that's our whole thing at Fangirl. Our whole thing is that all of our content inspires, informs, or makes you laugh while highlighting women making waves in the industry. And that's really what I want. You know, my po- I want all of my content to either, I want you to listen to the podcast, either have laughed, feel informed, or inspired. And that's- how many how many hours a week do you spend preparing for your podcast? We don't want to talk about the next the Fangirl Sports Network. It's a full time job, and you have other people, not just you, doing this. But what about when you talk about the podcast? How many hours a week do you use in preparation for it? And- I mean, I think we're like I said, it just started, so kind of finding that. But I would say several hours. I mean, my whole I think the nice thing about the thing that I'm doing on the podcast is it's what I I'm talking about what I do. So exactly. I guess. You yeah. could make the argument that I'm spending 24 hours a day. Because you're, you're living, you're I living do. your network 24 seven. I love it. Yeah. It's really important. And this is something we do on get my job. And it's something um, I'm starting to do with next week on the Tracy Sandler show 
is with Get My Job, I send the guest a pre-interview questionnaire, not for them to send back because I want it to be a free-flowing conversation, but to give them an idea of the types of questions I'm going to ask. And I have found that it's been really helpful for those guests. And they all really thank me for it. So with the Tracy Sandler show, I'm starting to do that next week to give some, it won't be as detailed, but kind of some high level topics that we're going to talk about, because I think it does make for a good conversation when, like, if I have the NFL network reporter on next week, right? he knows everything going on in the NFL. But if I specifically want to talk about Baker Mayfield on third down, I probably don't, but let's pretend I do it probably would be helpful for him to have a little of information ready about Baker Mayfield on third down Odell Beckham at the giants versus the Browns, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So I try to give a little information. And so I would encourage when you have like for people starting a podcast, I think it's helpful. You know, last question, and this is more, I don't even know. We'll probably put this not in the magazine. How has COVID changed sports fans? Has it grown more sports or do you think it's, the the more people are getting back to live events, the more it's getting more back to what it was before COVID. What are your thoughts? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a huge sports fan, but I've gotten so busy because of COVID with entertainment and different things. I don't watch sporting events like I used to. And I don't know, it's the best place to see it is live for sure. But what are your thoughts? Well, so that's interesting because I think a lot of people feel like at this point, the best place is TV. Because you get, if you watch a football game on TV, you get, you get a lot more information than if you're sitting there live. So people have differing feels, differing, differing feelings on that. Um, I think it remains to be seen what it's like in a post COVID world. I can speak for Fangirl Sports Network. COVID, we grew dramatically during COVID because people couldn't be there live. Um, but I think that that will stay because people are used to content on their phones and on their computers. And I think now that they can go back live, I think people are super excited about that and and are up stadiums. But I don't think all of the things that happened during COVID will go away. It remains to be seen. I mean, well, obviously, but but it's, you know, it's interesting because like last last year, some stadiums could have fans. Yeah. Less fans, but could have been some. I remember that was all crazy. The Steelers went 11 and 0 and then fall apart. Lost lost five. Come on. Yes. Yes, they did. That was really terrible and this year uh, i've been paying attention very sparingly but when i think that they're going to do something i'm like okay then i get to watch facebook and facebook tells me yeah right oh, oh my gosh what just happened here and that's it so i think the best thing is all those social media platforms help engage your audience in whatever type of platform you're doing now the fangirl sports network i want you to get a little bit of a platform i'm going to definitely put this in the magazine as well even though we're focusing on you and the tracy sandler show what else, who else is involved in that? Is that, so that's, that's the organization. How many people are writing for it, doing things like that? How, tell us a little bit about more about that. So I have a, a team that works for me that runs, I do the majority of the writing. Um, I have one other person who does, she writes Community Monday and Five Fun Facts. Um, but other than that, it's, I do the writing. I write the Friday Five. I write the every all the copy that goes to the podcast obviously do all the 49ers writing uh, but I have a team that works that runs the social channels um that creates the content I have people who help us create memes and, and that kind of stuff because it's a very much like a, a content based you know sounds like it you're so, doing um, it's, right. you know, I have a team of people so I have a great group that handles all of our Instagram stuff and then I have a, a great team that handles Facebook and Twitter um, but we all work in conjunction and really closely together. So that is, that is kind of what we have. I don't have other reporters 
but oh, I was thinking I see big things for your network when I'm thinking about just the name is so great and how if you had coverage all over the country like almost like a, a New York Times down the line for sports for women that would be well we did I mean we did for a while we had we had women that covered every NFL and NBA team they covered mainly through social media during COVID we changed the business model because okay. we found that our content, our general, other than like, you know, my 49ers content, but it's a little bit different because I have access. Yes. I'm there every day. Other, you know, the content that was performing the best and that people seem the most interested in was our brand content. So uh -huh. we are as a brand covering everything going on in the world of sports. So but we are. You're, you're, you have an amazing team and you come up with the greatest ideas as I'm hearing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So if you're on our Instagram, we're throughout the day sharing news, sharing our own original content. And we don't have a, I don't know if we'll go back to the reporters for our team. We might, we may go back to it. We'll see. But um, for, you know, that, that content is doing well. So that's why like when I say with the five fun facts, we do on Friday, something called the Friday five, and it's your top five things to know going into the weekend that I, that I write and people that's been very popular. People really like that because it's, it goes on our website, but it's our, in, in our Instagram story, it's five slides and you get, you know, kind of funny, punchy, depending on the story, of course, um, recap of stuff going. And it's five things people I think find that very digestible and they seem to really enjoy reading it. We had great success with that. All right. Well, best of luck again, best place we can connect with you. Where can we go, Tracy? Okay. So you can find me personally on Instagram at Tracy Sandler and on Twitter at 49ers fangirl. And then you can find us on Twitter, the company at fangirl sports and on Instagram fangirl sports network. Well, thanks, Tracy, for stopping by. Oh, it, was it was a great conversation, but I think really it wakes everyone up to understand how much work it involves to have your own network and your own podcast. You can't, it's, it's something, it's a commitment and continued success for you. And thanks for stopping by. Absolutely. Thank you. This is great. Thanks so All much. All right. Take care, guys. That was again the podcast magazine, sports category director Neil Haley's interview with Tracy Slandler. Take care.